Hello everyone and welcome to another podcast episode. Now before we get into this, I'd just like to talk briefly about the work that I'm doing in schools. I talk to students, teachers and staff telling my story of childhood sexual abuse and the common things that I've learned since doing this work. Now this is a story of inspiration and empowerment. So you would have thought that all the schools would be quick to book me, but that is not the case. They're still hesitant and worried about this topic. But what I'm saying is that I will at least be speaking to one student when I go into these schools that is going through a sexual abuse situation not telling anyone about it but it's not just that my story is also an opportunity for the other students that are not going through a sexual abuse situation to see that it doesn't matter how hard what they're going through right now is it may feel like hell in this moment but you can get through it and you can lead a successful life have a successful career and successful friendship groups following trauma in your childhood i believe this is extremely important now if you're following my work you know my vibe you know my intentions please spread the word spread the word give my website jeremyindica.com to your local school or the school that your son or daughter go to and also if you'd like to support what i do please visit something to say official.com i cannot do all of this alone i need your help and this has to be a team effort thank you Hello everyone and welcome to another podcast episode and as you know with this subject I'm trying to get into the depths of it as I release more episodes coming at different angles on this topic as a whole. Now last year I was speaking at a conference which was held by a charity called Brave Futures and a couple of their staff went onto the stage and went through a case study of a young child that they had had through their the work that they do and I literally was gobsmacked at the information the valuable information that they were giving us about what it's like to interact with young children who have been through a crime like this and I also just felt so empowered by how strongly the staff members were were speaking about this uh, situation that they'd that they'd that they'd seen through their, their charity. And I really just thought it would be incredible for us to speak with some of the workers at this charity because we often forget that there are frontline workers out there and there are people who are working, as I said, on the front line with these young children doing incredible, valuable jobs. And I believe that they're actually unsung heroes. And I wanted to get into that a little bit more. So I contacted Brave Futures and asked if one of their staff members would be willing to come onto the podcast and they agreed. So today we have Caroline on the podcast and hello Caroline, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Um, I know that your charity do some incredible work and I'd love to just get into that. So could you introduce yourself, your role and a little bit about your charity please? Okay, well, my name is um, Caroline, and I'm one of the child sex abuse practitioners at Brave Futures. Um, I've been with the charity for two years, and our role is to support children that have been sexually abused from the age of um, proper little tiddlers, like from three and four years old, right up until they're 21. Okay, okay. that can be an ongoing service. They can come in, have a service. Um, and then in a couple of years time, they might feel they need to come back and have a top up because other things have happened in their lives, maybe puberty, things like that. It change, it's changing all the while how they feel about themselves. Right. And, and that's a great point just to start off with, because 
we could be under the impression that let's say you were to get a child in who's seven years old just as an example you were to work with them you do the process and then they're all good for the, for the rest of their life that's not always going to be the case because like you said as they go through different ages they go through puberty for example they're going to start looking at what happened to them from a different lens and therefore they may want to come may want to come back um to to your service so i know i'm so curious to know um just some more brief details about the service okay well what we offer is we do a we offer a program where children will come in and we will offer um we have a like getting to know you sessions we offer um containment work kind of working on their self-esteem their coping mechanisms once we feel that we've got them into a, a place where they're confident with their worker and they're feeling ready to explore their abuse we would then go into the trauma work and that again that that's that's very much at the child's pace it's whether the practitioner feels that they are ready whether the child feels they are ready and we begin to unpick some of the stuff that's that, that's happened with them some of the questions that they're asking mm. some of the you know beliefs the blame the shame the guilt we kind of want to put, put pull all that to pieces and try and make sense of it for them Wow. We, we'll cover the grooming process, you know, because a vast majority of these children are, are unaware that they've been groomed and that this has been a process that has happened to them. So we kind of want them to understand it so that they can look at themselves and make sense of, of what happened and feel, not feel the, the, the shame and the guilt that they can kind of look at it and, and look at themselves and think, do you know what, actually, I was a victim, but this isn't going to, this is no longer going to define me. And that's that's where we want to get the children to. We want them to feel empowered. We want them to feel good about themselves and give them their confidence back. Come on, that's just so incredible. I love that so much, and it it's such a it's such a the foundations of what I'm trying to achieve here too. Just to let people know that you know what happened to them doesn't necessarily doesn't need to be the end of them you know mm -hmm. they can still build that life and and the work that you're doing with these children um is so important that you, you that you can get there at that stage of their life and when you're talking about the services um this this uh this process that you go through with these young people I can really see how um how how that can be done with a 16 year old or an 18 year old or even a 15 year old but then when I start to think about prepubescent children they're still so childlike you know they're still playing with toys and how how do you even begin to open a conversation like that with with someone of that age it's their their children they are in like any other child their age they want to play they want to feel good they want to be happy so we do stuff that is play based we will do activities where they're drawing playing making things and then you kind of in a very gentle way you know you 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 might you might steer a conversation in a certain way you might play a game where toys are positioned in a certain way so that they can see how things happen and one of um one example of what we do is um that we i call it the three islands okay. and we have an island where you'd live with the people you'd want on your island you'd have another island where people who you knew could come and stay and could come and visit then you'd have an island that maybe people that you weren't quite sure of would go but then we have shark infested water 
Wow. And that is such a powerful way for these children. You can gently say, who's going to be on your nice island? Who's going to be there? And they'll, they'll generally put them, you know, the parents or, you know, people that they're really close to. We often as practitioners get put on the nice island, which I'm glad to say. <laughs> um, but the really interesting bit is the shark infested water, because for some children, they, they won't put anything there. That's kind of quite a big step. But I've had a number now who put the, the, their perpetrator in shark infested water wow. and that is such a moment for them because they wow. kind of like they're they're actually positioning that person where they deserve to be no way near them not safe not you know and that's that's a really you know and that that works with with really little ones you know that can be I think you know five-year-old six-year-old would understand how you were doing that wow and what the result was that we wanted okay and and when they put their perpetrator or their abuser onto that island, it must be like such a breakthrough moment. Mm. Oh, massively, massively, because that's them then telling them, letting you know they're ready to talk. They're ready to kind of identify and address, you know, that there's this, this, this naughty person, this person that has made them feel very uncomfortable and who has scared them. Okay. And do you ever find that it takes some stages to get to a stage where they understand that the, that person in their life is wrong, doing wrong, because I can only imagine, you know, when we're talking about five-year-olds, six-year-olds, which breaks my heart, by the way. And and um, do you sometimes feel that they, are they sometimes coming to you thinking that actually nothing is wrong and that that's all okay? Or do you see across, is it common to see that they're deep down, they actually know? It's really difficult because some children actually miss their abuser in a mm. weird way because it could be a family member, it could be a trusted family member, where actually that relationship has been loving, mm. the wrong type of loving. But for that child, it's still someone who's been significant in their life who is now no longer there. So right. it's it's a range of emotions for these, for these children. I think some for some of the children where the abuse has been maybe violent or aggressive, that's then it's it's that's empowering you know that you're going to feed this nasty person to the sharks um but it's it's a, it's a complete spectrum of of how people of how children feel about their abusers okay so that means um you as um the practitioner um have to be so skillful in reading the room mm, absolutely reading absolutely. the child where they're at what they're what their current understanding is and how are you going to address that? We have their, we have their, when their referral comes in, we have like a brief outline of the abuse that they've endured. Obviously, they then come in for an assessment, which is when you get a really good idea about where this child is and what, how that child is feeling, what stage they're at and where they're holding their abuse. Okay. And some of them, they'll come in and they'll, they just want to tell you everything. And that's really overwhelming for both them and us. Wow. And you have other children that will literally, you'll have to be, it's a very slow process and it's mm. a delicate and a gentle process. Mm. How do you, how do you do this job and not be in tears constantly? I absolutely love this job and I okay. feel that if we were, it's hard. And some of the referrals that I've had, literally, you have to read it, put it down, walk away wow. and take a breath because it's it's horrible. And that that will stay with you. Mm. But it almost, 
in a way, if I was to burst into tears and to become emotionally involved, I'm then no, I'm not useful to that child. Right. I need to be. I need to be that person that is strong. I don't look at them with, you know, with pity. Although I'm feeling, I'm feeling dreadful for this, you know, for, for them. But we have to have that level of we're here to help. We're mm. here to help you understand it. And I think if the, I think if a child saw me and I burst into tears they're then going to think, oh, my word, this is terrible. I'm, I am disgusting. This is wrong. This is all these things. So we have to be, we have to, we have to sort of take, take our time and, you know, and understand where, where this is going and where they've been and what our role is. Good on you. That just sent a shiver up my spine. Like that is so incredible because as children, we're always looking at the adults around us to see how bad what we said was or how, you know how we're almost like reflecting their emotion mm-hmm. it's like it's like when a child falls over right they they straight away look at look at their mum or dad to see was that bad or not and then, and then they go with that emotion so yeah what you're saying is if you're the strong person that they're coming to speak to they will feel strong to speak as much as they want to yeah and some some of the times these children are telling us stuff that is really unnatural you know that you wouldn't expect a child to understand or to feel and so we we can't sit there with look of shock or horror on our faces you know because we want them to feel that actually we're safe this is a safe space we believe them and we're we're ready we're ready to to hear their story and to help them amazing it's so it's it's going to be so confusing for us as adults to think about if, if you've never had an experience like this to think about what it's like to have something sexual happen to you before way before nature has taken its course on your body to make you even interested in sexual things mm-hmm. right so again i'm talking about prepubescent ages it must be so confusing for a child especially if that abuse has been communicated as this is love this is care this is something that we should be doing and you must have to take it. I'm guessing you have to take it really slowly with them to if 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 you if you notice that that child is thinking that it was love and care and 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 it was all almost positive, it must be a very slow process to educate them and help them understand that actually that was wrong. um because you can't just tell them no straight away. i'm I'm guessing all of this, by the way. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, because you don't want that child to feel that what they've that they've been dirty or that they've okay. done something that, that's, that's been naughty. So, you know, often, especially with younger children, when where they've been, you know, that it's been taught to them that this is a loving situation or this is a fun or it's a game, they then will have their own issues because they'll then be going around to other children or other adults and grabbing and touching them in places mm-hmm. that, that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So it's a really slow and gentle process of kind of like you know about our bodies being our own and where is safe to touch and where is a kind place to touch and where is you know where are places that you know you shouldn't be touched and we teach them how to you know respect have their respect for their own bodies and where is where is safe so where it's nice to touch because obviously the body does respond to touch and if it's been abuse of a loving a loving nature yes. it, it, it can feel nice and then that is equally confusing yes so it's kind of that that bit is always a bit of a minefield and it's kind of just making sure that they understand in a positive way that touch is something that is nice but it's on your terms and, mm. and it's where it's safe and it's where it's in a loving environment there's a safe loving environment so so true uh, can i ask how long you've been doing this job for I've been with the charity now for two years. Okay. And is this the first time you've 
carried out this role? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Prior to this, I worked with children who had been been victims of of trauma, but not 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 oh, sexual abuse. Okay. Have you seen um, over the years that you've been in this field that with the education system changing, you know, completely different to how it was when we were when we were at school for sure? Mm-hmm. Have you seen what what kind of changes have you seen in the children that that have been coming in in your previous job and this job, or or do you think it's it, it's staying the same? No, I, th- I think I think it's changing. I think I think we're getting a lot more cases of peer on peer sexual abuse, and it's you know we've got children as young as eight and nine accessing hardcore porn, oh and those, so their first idea of a sexual relationship is really off kilter because they're kind of thinking that actually girls and boys want to be put in a chokehold. They want mm. to have you know mm. um, anal sex. As, a, yeah. as an initial thing and so it's kind of the the the, the change and it, you know with with the access through their mobile phones through computers through the internet and everything to access porn is waking them up far too early and so wow. these children aren't emotionally ready to be doing what they're doing and then of course they feel traumatized something's happened to them and afterwards they're like oh my goodness I wasn't ready for that wow that's so scary isn't it is it it's terrifying that and some of the sexual activities that the kids are doing is stuff it's it's hardcore stuff it's it's kind of the kink end of of stuff it's not normal sex like in a normal relationship where you was first when you're first having your first sexual encounter with someone it's it should be gentle and slow this is absolute this is extreme I think your phrase of like it's waking them up way yeah. too early is a really is a really good way to put it because in conjunction with what I was trying to explain about um creepy person there's no se- you there's no there's nothing in your nature before puberty that's sexual there's nothing in your brain that's sexual you've got no interest in it in fact you think the whole thing's yucky you know you think boys and girls are yucky but but this 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 whole pornography access to pornography at any age is really waking waking that area up of them way before nature was meant to we've we've had kids that you know young enough where they should have been watching cbeebies are watching hardcore porn wow and so you imagine when you put when you sit your child in front of the telly in front of CBeebies, you know that they're taking in everything that's going on on that screen. Yes. Well, the same thing is happening with porn. Yeah. They're taking in everything, and you know, porn porn stars are actors and actresses. Yes, but a child would understand that as being real. So it's 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 very confusing for them. Wow, I, I hope that something like age verifications and things are very quick to be put on pornography. I think we're like lagging way behind yeah. ab- ab- behind the times with that. Can we talk a little bit about this peer-on-peer sexual abuse? I did hear a statistic that one third of all reported sexual abuse is peer-on-peer. Um, does when you get a referral for some for a child a minor who has been sexually abused from another from another minor can you explain a few complications in that of that and also um do you deal with the child who has carried out the sexual abuse when that is something we're going to be looking into doing further down the line at the moment it's i think we're we're trialing we're piloting it okay. in norfolk okay. um, and hopefully if that's successful it will be spread out to to suffolk as well um i think the, the trouble with the peer on peer stuff is 
there's such a mixed um, bag of emotions because to start with it's kind of like it's fun and it's you know there's there's all this interest and everything and then it happens and then I think it's terrific guilt afterwards and a sh shame because it's it's generally spread around the school you know generally if there's been pictures that have been taken they're spread throughout the school so all of a sudden what you know this this should have been a positive time for them is a horrific time for them and it's it's like it's just woken up things that they're too young they're emotionally too young mm. at 12 13 mm. to be doing the stuff that they're doing yeah okay and it, to be fair it's hard for both sides because i think some some boys are getting very mixed messages you know the, the stuff that they're saying to each other via you know the the, the, the pictures that they're sending each other yeah. it's it's not just girls that are the victim yes as well yes i i do agree on that and i do need to speak more on my platforms about that because i've often talked about boys being the aggressor and and girls being the uh being on the receiving end all the time but boys are also on the receiving mm, end absolutely. with the adverts that are popping up on their social media with with the lure of pornography with with what's going on on their whatsapp groups and snapchat and all of those things so um it must be, it's a really dangerous time for, for mm. those young people. Um, would you be able to speak about some kind of case study or a story of any sort that you would be able to talk to us about? I've got, I mean, I've, I've got, you know, there is lots of, you know, young children, people, young, young people that I've worked with and, it goes from kind of the what I would just you know the sort of the, the lower level stuff to the really hard hitting stuff, and I think it's the hard hitting stuff that um, will not will never not shock me because right. it's it's the kind of stuff where it's the level of blue level of abuse the length of the abuse you know the kind of you know the the video evidence of of children being sexually assaulted for hours on end. You know, and it's that that type of thing, you know, will will always be upsetting. You know, children being told that they're training to be good at sex, that, you know, this right. is boring training and, you know, to play sex games, you know, the use of vibrators, butt wow. plugs, you know, and it, it's all this kind of this this mass grooming um, process that these children go through where they're told that, you know, this this is this is amazing. You're doing a good job. Yeah. You know high-fived after wow. it's, they've been abused so it's it's kind you know the the range is is enormous wow core that's so real you know mm -hmm. i mean those are things that we never ever think about you know i mean just as general public to think of a child being told being being trained to play sexual games with vibrators and plugs and high-fived is absolutely harrowing yeah. um how do you take care of yourself after hearing stories like that um we at brave futures are really good at looking after each other and I think okay. when you first come into this this type of work I think you know you can be you can underestimate the effect it's going to have on you mm. And I think that we, we're very good at speaking. We're very good at saying how it is. You know, you can come in from a session and you can be, wow, that was really heavy going. Some of us will kind of sit and have five minutes time out and just, just to process what you've heard. 
And then we as a group will discuss that we also have clinical supervision so that we're right. being looked after, you know, and also how we're managing our cases to make sure that we're managing ourselves and our children in the best way possible. Okay, because somebody asked me quite recently, they said, as you continue doing this work every day, all day, you are reading stories, you are involved in this very traumatic topic, including your own experience. And they said to me, all you are doing is putting all of this, you've got a backpack on, and you are just putting all of this in your backpack, and it's getting overloaded. How are you going to offload it? You know, how are you going to to take things out of your rucksack? Because when it gets too heavy, it's going to pull you down. And I actually didn't have an answer to that because I don't really have any processes or, or, or that I go through. But something like what you you are doing at Brave Futures, where you're a team. Mm, absolutely. Yeah? You're absolutely. a team all aiming for the same thing. And, and, it, and I also, I kind of get the feel that you're all like, enough is enough. Let's actually do something about this. Let's help these children that are going through through something. Because what would be your worry if a child has gone through sexual abuse and they are not attended to? I think it's it's just a lifelong sentence. It's mm. a lifelong um, sentence of sadness, of of not trusting. It, it it will shatter so many relationships as you move further down the line because there is there is so much stuff that you're locked that is locked away that will weigh heavy you know mental health will be affected physical health you know relationship forming and how essentially how they go on to parent their own children yeah there will be risks yeah so the early intervention like what you're doing with the different approaches depending on the different ages yeah, um absolutely. is going to be crucial to minimize the risks of their of 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 their life spiraling out of control in different yeah. areas in different yeah. ways um for the rest of their lives yeah i feel like the things that you're explaining and the job that you you everybody at brave futures and other similar charities are doing which is which is just truly remarkable and admirable um if you if you came across a young person that said they wanted to get into that line of work too it's interesting because would you would you advise them or encourage them to do that or, or what would your response be to to let's say an 18 year old 19 year old that's studying the subject that's like that's something that I want to do in the future I think there's studying it looking at it on paper mm. and reading it is one thing mm. actually being there when you I can read a referral or have an assessment mm. and I can process it and think right I'm I know where I'm going to go with this I, I can see exactly where I'm going but then when you meet that child, huh. it, then it's a different ballgame because I'm always, it's little hands, little hands <laughs> when they come in and, you know, and they, they, they stand there as a, as a, just a gorgeous little, little person. And I always look at their hands because I realize how small they are. Oh. And, and that is that, that is the bit that you have to be, you have to be strong with because that's the bit that will, you can read, you can read all the horrific stuff and it's yeah. upsetting. Yeah. But when you see the person that's actually happened yeah. to, it's very different. It's a very yeah. different emotion. And yeah. you, you know, that's, that, that will get me every time. Do you think the world could do with a little bit of that shock if we could spread that a little mm -hmm. bit, you know? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think that I think that sexual abuse has been such a taboo subject. Yeah. And we always think it's, you know, it's dirty old men that, you know, like back in the day when I was young, it was the local flasher. Yeah. And actually, this is an incredibly sophisticated, mm. corrupt mm. Um, way of, of, of working, the way, you know, the perpetrators will work. It's not, you know, they're not clumsy. They're not stupid. Yeah. And it's become a very, you know, it's, it's, it's become very different. It's not you know it's not the flashing it is on the internet it is you know the dark web it's it's there's a purpose and there's a, a community yes unfortunately. yes yes uh, I, I i have i have started to see uh, that there is a community of people also yeah. uh, that are clubbing together to do this and work out better techniques on how to do this but as we also know this could be also somebody who is not linked with others that are doing this but are just going for it that where they're within the family sometimes they're even blood relations mm-hmm. um which was, must make things very complicated for for the child i think i think in those situations where it's a uh, you know a, you know a family member that is a, that's very hard to unpick because there's obviously they've had experience of, the, of that person being kind, being loving, being told by the rest of the family that they're a lovely person. Yeah. And, you know, go and spend time with granddad, go and spend time with uncle or, you know, auntie. And so that's that's really confusing because for that child, that alone time with that adult is terrifying. Yeah. 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 That everyone around them is telling them yeah. the person. Yeah. You know. and, and how and confusing they, that must be if you're six years old. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, what is driving this is a this is a side topic that I don't want to. It's not the point of this conversation, but what is driving somebody, somebody's brain to find a six-year-old sexually attractive is completely beyond me. But something that I feel that we need to investigate and understand because we need to stop the people from doing this before they do it. But uh, that's 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 another topic. Um, What would you say? What would you like to see um, happen or change in the public? Like I just mentioned that I believe it would be a great idea. I would love to see people shocked with real life stories, but I feel like it's still so taboo and it's still so triggering for people, understandably so, that I could never post a real story about um, a a six-year-old and an account on it because it would just get pulled off the internet because we're not ready for that conversation does that frustrate you the, the the thing is and this is like it's a difficult thing to say but if if one of these children had died it would oh, be global news wow and it would be like the victoria columbia baby p it would be wow. on that but because these children don't die it's brushed under the carpet such a good point and it's 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 shocking that it would take a death of a child for this to be for people to separate and I still don't think they would believe it I, I still think they would it would be too uncomfortable for people yeah. to think that this this goes on yeah but it absolutely does it's such a good point that you make and why is it that we feel so uncomfortable that this is going on like what why do you think that is why do you think it is that like nobody's what what did I hear the other day nobody's like, like it's so shocking, but everybody knows that it's going on, but nobody wants to face it. Do you think it's like, because it's so inhumane? I, I, I think so, because, you know, if you look at anything like with animal cruelty, that that is put out there. People look at it and they, they you know, they, they look away and it's horrific and everything. I think this is just almost too much. 
yeah. almost too much for people to believe that it happens. And I, I, I don't think they believe would believe that the length of time it can go on for. Mm. You know, for some for some children, it's years. Mm. You know, I don't think they would believe the depravity. You right. know, the humiliation. Right. And that's that's hard for people to get their head around. We right. like to be comfortable. We don't like to be made to feel uncomfortable. And this, unfortunately is very uncomfortable right and that was the the humiliation of, of, of that small small child I think it's because it's children too that we can't get our head around it and that story that I opened this podcast with um what what initiated me contacting Brave Futures was the story that got told by um your staff at that conference was two 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 sisters two twin mm-hmm. two twin girls and um and it was just the way that they had been groomed was just just so so scary and sad um it was it was a terrible thing and when these children are not saying anything because they've been groomed to not say anything um do you feel like the public still misunderstands um the 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 the, the actual complexity of it I think I think so because you know some children will some children will come in and will tell you everything. Okay. Other children will come through the service but will never actually discuss their own abuse. Okay. And that is that they're the ones that kind of you know they don't they don't want to talk about it but they want to heal from it. Mm. And we never we never push a child you know this isn't part of what we do that you have to come in and tell us everything that happened you know a lot of the children will tell us nothing. They, we we know it's like an unsung. They know that we know, and you know, and and it's it's kind of not the elephant in the room because it doesn't it doesn't need to be that. But they 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 feel believed, and I think that's that's the that's the biggest part for them. You know, to have not been believed, they don't need to sing it from the rooftops. It's it's mm. not something that often that they feel very you know st- still confused over, and it's something that's it's very raw for them. And it's their story. Yeah. I often say to, one of my um, little girls once said that she'd got it. She knew that she'd been abused and she remembered what happened, but she put it in a box yeah. and the box was inside her yeah. and she had the key. Wow. And that was, and she knew that if she needed to get out and process anything, she had the key to unlock it again, but wow. it was locked away and it was shut away. And that was after we'd done, you know, quite a number quite a, you know, at quite a number of sessions mm, mm. and that was you know and that really blew me away because she wasn't even that old you know and it was one of those ones it was like wow that's that's wow. that's incredible you know that's what we want we want them to feel in control of it because they that's the one thing they've not had all the way through is right control. right and how do you build trust with these young people these these children how do you how do you get them to to to, to understand that you're there to help them it takes time it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of getting to know them it takes a lot of um understanding that you know that we are a safe space that we you know we're, we're not pushing them we're not you know we're not we don't sit there and go right tell us what happened tell us about the abuse you know it's it's you build a relationship and that this relationship can be really strong you know you you can get very attached to mm. um the kid and they they can with you and everything and that's when that's when they feel safe and that's when you can kind of grow the work with that child but it you know the trust side of things takes time yeah because you you want them to know essentially you want them to know that you're there to help them and you won't push them in a direction that that you don't want to go 
that um that island um the three island thing has really has really resonated with me like i think that's so powerful for those very very young children still playing with toys are there any other techniques that you could speak about um that would be interesting for the audience to hear one of the the other ones that we do is a safe space and um for the younger children we'll we'll ask them to create what you know what would make them feel safe what would a safe space be mm. and often this is done through drawing painting yeah. they and then you know we can label what what they you know how they've done it and you know it's that work is is incredible because some of the some of the children the details is is just out you know really really intense you know one little person had a rainbow over their bed and you know and there was gates around and and you know and they they can make it look however they want it can okay. be complete fantasy okay. or it can be something that's very real and for some some for some of the um, young people one the reality was a baseball bat at the side of their bed wow that was that was as far as as far as we got but for some of the others it's it's a really good opportunity for them to sort of show you through art mm, mm. drawing painting creating playing right what is what makes them feel safe okay okay so when once you've done the sessions right um what would make what would be the result that would make the charity and your procedure be like okay we, our work is done i think when you've got a child that leave that's leaving feel feeling empowered um with the realization that they're not to blame the realization that they maybe want to share their story maybe that they just feel happy again they mm. feel that they can smile they feel that they can walk tall which is yeah. what you know which is it which is important yeah yeah and, and I think I think as well, some of the children, you know, when they're ready, you know, when they it's come to a very natural end, they no longer kind of need the the our input, and it, it's that that is lovely. It's, yes. it's saying goodbye, but it's kind of as well. It's like brilliant, you know. Okay. And they've also got the realization they can come back, mm. which I think makes them feel very safe. And then, how do you feel as a worker when you get to that stage? Fantastic. Oh come on fantastic because it's I had it I you know I've had situations where I've done a piece of work and I come away and I think I did really well today that Amazing. was the, that's the point that was the point where you think right I got you today and you Brilliant. got me you got it so yeah it's good and that would be considered as a win from your side yeah absolutely you've given that child some tools empowerment encouragement yeah. to go and uh, live their life in the best way that they can following mm -hmm. what happened to them mm -hmm. and that must make you feel so proud about the work that you're doing you know it's so meaningful mm. it's... oh I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what everything we do here you know yes you know every, every single person that works here is amazing yeah and we all we all want the same end goal yeah that is, that is the most important thing to, to make that every child that comes through our door to feel that we have done have we have done a, a, a good job and you know, everything that you can possibly do for that child. Yeah, absolutely. Is there ever a situation where the child will come in, you'll do your initial assessment, and then you start kicking off the sessions and you're like, ah, they're not ready for this? Yeah. Sometimes it will be that you're not the right worker. And we, oh, wow. we have that flexibility that you can kind of tell that maybe 
the relationship isn't forming as well as it could be okay. so we have you know if we've got the flexibility we'll say to that child you know maybe I'm not right for you maybe I'm not, and we always encourage them to you know I'm not going to be offended this has to be the right fix right and so if okay. it's not the right fix we would see if we could find a way around it and if the child if you feel like the sessions are making the child like 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 I mentioned, the child isn't ready for this. They're, they're not ready to talk about it at all. Is there ever a situation like that? Yeah, and we we would gauge that very very carefully. Okay. We 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 don't push. Yeah. There's, there's no there's no pushing. There's no and if we don't feel a child's ready to access the trauma work, then we we just wouldn't do it. Okay. okay. It's always you know when when the child first comes in, there's like a you know we have like a working agreement that you know. If they're uncomfortable, you can tell by their body language. You'll have some children that will be, you'll be talking, having a great time. Then all of a sudden you'll want to talk about feelings and that little glaze comes over their face. Right. And that's when you realize, right, okay, we're not ready. We, right. we won't be ready today. Okay. Okay. So Brave Futures are working in Norfolk? Norfolk and Suffolk. Suffolk in England. Mm. And referrals can come in from anywhere? Yeah, within within that area, within Norfolk Within that area. Yeah. And um, what would you say the charity's um, main aims are or like the ethos or, or anything else that you want to say about the charity? I think for the charity, it's, it's so that every child can have a safe space, be believed and be empowered. Yes, amazing. Um, and, and what are some of the other challenges that you face? The reason why I asked about the referrals thing is because I can only imagine that if a school were to refer uh but the parents don't want it referred are there any challenges that you come across that and i understand that sometimes you may not be able to talk about these things um coming from the charity but if you can't just let me know no it's it, it's it's difficult because sometimes you'll have a child that wants to come but you'll have parents who are massively unsupportive right you know that that is a that is a challenge and obviously that then depends on the age of the child because yes. you want there's no point a child coming here and having all this good stuff to then go home and then have it taken away, you know, that the parents aren't on board. So really this needs to be, you know, a sort of like a joint, a joint practice, like right. where the, you know, the parents and the majority of the parents are supportive. Some of the parents find it incredibly hard. Yes, of course. You know, and that is, that's a challenge within itself. Mm. But you know, there yeah, there are occasions when you will have an unsupportive parent, especially yeah. if it's maybe um maybe like a mother's partner or something yeah, like that yeah, who's yeah. been accused. Understood. That yeah. can be, you know, that's that's that that's yeah. that's difficult. Brings its complications. And and what would you say to parents? What what advice would you be would you have for parents in, in the in the wealth of knowledge that you have, seeing it firsthand, you know, seeing the abuse firsthand? What what advice would you have for parents in terms of prevention? Prevention, I think you just I think it's just, you know, supervising what what they're accessing yeah. see you know what, what have they got on their phones yeah. well who, who are the friends they're hanging around with yeah. you know having having um having boundaries you know um, naming their body naming their body parts you know being being more realistic about it so that when when your child is coming to you and saying someone's touched my penis we all know what they're talking about right rather than it being you know mummy someone's touched my ding ding or you know that that makes it all very complicated so I think you know being really open honest and kind of it not being a taboo subject it being yes. something you know you can discuss and it is discussed and if there's questions answer them 
Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So open and honest conversations about the yeah. realities of life. Yeah. And, and you know, when they're small children, it hasn't got to be about sex, just their bodies at the very yeah. least. Yeah. yeah. Because we want to stop this from happening in the first place. That's the aim. What we, what we don't want is for parents to become paranoid. And okay. we don't want, um, you know, there to be suddenly, you know, that they're, they're, they're putting fear in their children. Because, yeah. you know, ex children will explore their own bodies and will explore each other's bodies. It's perfectly natural. And, you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, that it's just what we do as human beings, you know, girls and boys are different and, you know, girls will look at boys bits and boys will look at girls yeah. bits. It's just managing it and it's managing it in an open, honest way and kind of, you know, having those conversations that, you know, yes, boys have, boys have a penis, girls have a, you know, have a vagina. It's, and it just being a, a very natural, organic mm. conversation. Brilliant. I love it. Um, and can you tell us about a recent win that you had as uh, in your own in your own work or even as a charity, whichever one you'd like? I think I had a win um, with a, a child that I've been working with, and this child came to session and just cried, cried for the you know head down, wouldn't make eye contact, was I mean so low, and this went on for weeks. And I was kind of thinking, I'm not sure that we're going to get anywhere or, or or anything like that, and I just. You know, as we developed them, the head began to come up, the eye, you know, eye contact, laughter, you know, and there would be little bits like that. And then we did an incredible piece of work where they wrote a letter to their abuser. Wow. And all of a sudden, this child wrote frantically and angrily wow. and with passion. And afterwards, I said, what, you know, what should we do, do with this letter? Tore it into tiny pieces. Wow. Put it in the bin, spat in the bin. And it was just like one of those moments. It was like, yes. Come on. You know? Yeah. And that was, that was because for that part of the trauma work is, is difficult because you've got these kids to a point where you are, you've discussed what's happened. You've discussed how they feel. You discuss, you discuss, you know, what, how they've got to this, this point. And then for them to have the opportunity to write their letter to, to say how they feel to, I mean, you know, it's such a powerful oh. piece of work and it's so brave for them to do it yeah, because yeah. they are exposing everything. Yeah. And, and, and the, the action of writing it would, would have helped them get that off their chest, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've done it before with, you know, and I've seen kids physically shake. Oh my the, God. the relief, the relief of having that out because sometimes as well, especially with the quiet ones, they won't, they won't, they won't be able to verbalize it but mm. to write it down, to have it there in black and white, and then either screw it up, take it out, stamp it in a puddle, tear it up. You know, we we become really creative at this point. We'll kick it around the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to make them feel good. Yeah. I like that part of it to be, you know, yeah. physical. And some of them will just want quiet. We, okay. I always offer whether they want me to be in the room with them while they do it, or if they'd like me to leave the room, you know, and that is that is an option. But that is, that's a powerful piece of, powerful oh, piece wow, of wow. Okay, let's 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 go to the other other uh, side of the scale. Um, one of your most shocking moments? God, there's been so many. I can and only that's, imagine. Can I say that with a heavy heart because oh that God. is, yeah, it's just. I think it's it it's just hard. It's the levels of humiliation, the embarrassment, mm. um, just the, the the scale of what they've been through. That yeah. that can be that can be hard. Yeah, you know okay. it's, and again I go back to what I said to you earlier it's then when you've got that little person or that young person in front of you mm. and you look at them and you you see their 
you know you it, it's it's all there it's yeah. it's that's that's hard yeah i can only imagine um and uh what about one of your proudest moments I think it's just when you have kids that like leave and that are just, they've got their sass back and oh, they're kind of like, so you know, brilliant. and they're so giving brilliant. you, you know, they actually want to give you a hug and say goodbye and they're oh. giving you a bit of lip and they're kind of, you know, <laughs> you've got a bit of, you know, you've got that young person back, you know, and they're, and that's, that's, that's the great bit, you know. I had one of my girls say that we're going to a Halloween party dressed as me, you oh. know, and it was <laughs> someone who was kind of, you know, um not confident in any way but now is able to have those conversations wow. so just that spirit back again it's great oh, I'm so pleased and I'm so pleased that yourself and and your charity agreed to coming onto the podcast because I know sometimes I'm putting out things that are pushing the boundaries but I, you know I'm just trying to get everybody represented on this podcast mm-hmm. and something that we never think about honestly we we are we are so victim focused necessarily so rightly so we are victim focused, but the conversation is victim focused too. But this is a team, like, like like what you're saying at your charity. This is a this is a venture of a this is a team effort, right? Mm-hmm. And and the victims we are so so sad for and horrified that that even happened to them. You know, I'm one of them. Um, but also it's it's everybody that's trying to make change and mm-hmm. charities like Brave Futures and and incredible people that work within these charities like yourself doing the frontline work supporting these young people trying to give them some empowerment encouragement and a different way forward so for me personally I, I thank you for the work that you do you're welcome I, I love my job can you um tell us what brave futures website is <laughs> hang on Hannah's now frantically writing it down for me <laughs> brave um bravefutures.org okay amazing so if anybody would like to check out what uh, the charity's website and a bit more about yeah. what they're doing please go to bravefutures.org um i've spoken at their conference before i know that they're doing incredible work and you can see from this conversation here that they are unsung heroes frontline workers really doing the work for for the victims the young young victims to give them a better life so thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And good luck thank with you. everything that you're pleasure. doing. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. I'm so thankful to Brave Futures for coming onto my podcast because I know some people deem me as controversial because I push the boundaries of this conversation. But if you follow my work, you know my intention. It is just to open this conversation. And with this podcast, I wanted to give a shout out and show some respect to those that are working on the front line with those young children who have been through a sexual abuse situation to help them live the rest of your, their life. I believe that you're going to agree with me that they are unsung heroes and this podcast was definitely worth a listen and definitely worth a share with your friends your colleagues or anyone else that you think would find value in it or even just find it interesting so if you'd like to support my work please go visit jeremyindica.com and something to say official.com we got so many sides to this project this is a journey this is an adventure and as a team we can achieve anything we set our mind to i truly believe it thank you